As we open today, here's a, a headline from Sat7 North America. Uh, Taliban killing people found with Bibles on their phones. Uh, Christianity Today, Christians at risk of death in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. You may not have seen uh, these headlines on what we call mainstream media. We'll talk about some of that here today, but understand that there are believers uh, uh, you know, in the Middle East at this time that are being stopped. Their cell phones are being taken, searched. If they have a Bible on their cell phone, then they, their life is taken on the spot. So something to be in prayer about and something to understand about needs around the world and how we as the body of Christ, you know, need to be that light in the world, intercede on other people's behalf, and also, again, understand what other brothers and sisters in Christ are facing. You know, there was a study done in 72, and it was simple. Are you confident in the press? Are you confident in the press? In 1972, 72% of people said yes. They had confidence in the press. We'll see what that number was here in our day in just a moment. You know, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, said it like this. What God says is best is best, though all men in the world are against it. We're going to look at some things today about having faith that can face, you know, the big mountains, the Goliaths what God says about fear, and how if there is something you and I have that intimidates us, how we can face that. I'll give you some practical things you can put in place today. Maybe it's a, an anxiety about life in general. Maybe it's anxiety about the economy. Maybe it's, it's being overwhelmed about relationship issues. Whatever it is, we'll look at some things today and understand like Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. So we're blessed when we speak the word, blessed when we hear the word, we're blessed when we keep the word. I love this here from Samuel Davies. This is in the 1700s. And what he says here could be said, you know, here today. And just listen to this minister from centuries ago. He says this, the venerable dead await me in my library to relieve me of the nonsense of surviving mortals. I'm sure we're all kind of tired of the nonsense that goes on in the world. And we'll see some answers to that here in just a moment. But again, just understand when you're speaking scripture, reading scripture, hearing scripture, and most importantly, keeping what Scripture tells us to do in life as our way of life. There's blessings in that. And so as Samuel Davies said, the venerable dead, you know, reading from saints down through history as well as Scripture, they're there to relieve us of the nonsense of what goes on in our modern day. You know, a lot of people have been quoting out of George Orwell's 1984, especially recently, and for good reason. But I want to I note one part of that book and it's a part called Two Minutes Hate. Two Minutes Hate. And in the book, what happens is, is there's a daily ritual where they'd have screens all around, all throughout the city. And during the Two Minutes Hate, they would put on the screen, the, the big brother, the party, they put on the screen an image of somebody that they claim was the enemy of the state. And what happened when they put that image up, the two minutes of hate, is the crowd would openly, loudly get just angry and express hate by, you know, screaming, 
throwing things at the screen and just getting into a frenzy. All because there was an image of somebody put on the screen that people were told that that's the one is the, the enemy. And we see that in our day, you know, with different people where, you know, people get into that same frenzy because they see somebody, the mainstream media says, here's the bad guy or the, the bad party, whatever it is. And we don't want to get caught up in that nonsense. We want to live in a different place where we're the example to the world, the light to the world. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. This is a verse to kind of take and write and pay attention to and use as a gauge for life. But Jeremiah, a prophet in Israel, he, he's feeling kind of overwhelmed. And God says this to him. Listen to these words, Jeremiah 12, 5. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you have raced with men on foot, and they have worn you out. How can you compete with horses? Such a, a great picture there. You know, God is responding here that for Jeremiah, if he's struggling with smaller things, how's he going to handle, you know, bigger opposition in life? You might say, you know, if your average situation in life is bringing stress, what are you going to do then if Goliath shows up? And we want to be able to say, I want to be ready for Goliath and ready for those big challenges and be ready to, to face opposition without the fear. And, and fear is so prevalent. It happens in the mainstream media. It seems to be a, a specialty that they try to get people anxious and afraid. Again, 1972, are you confident in the press? 72% said yes. What's the answer today? Before I give you the answer, understand something about how media really works. There is what's known as the big media. When we talk about media, there are the big media six. Think about this, six corporations, six corporations control 90% of all media. We're talking everything you listen to, you watch, you read. Six corporations control 90% of all media, music, movies, TV shows, cable stations, magazines, what you see online. And so you might see things, you know, that, that are repeated. And so it sounds like, well, it must be true. They're repeating it. And this over here, they repeat it. But the reality is they all repeat the same thing because six corporations control 90% of the media. And are those corporations honest or not? And that's the big discussion. What happened is in 2003... The FCC changed some rules. Before that, you couldn't have all this ownership. If you had a, a TV station, then you couldn't have a radio station. If you had a radio station, you couldn't own a newspaper. It kept people honest. But in 2003, FCC changed the rules. And so now these same companies, they own magazines and newspapers and radio stations and movies and TV stations. There's hundreds of stations out there. Six companies own 90% of that. Those six companies, real quick, AT&T, Disney, Comcast, National Amusements, Fox Corp, and Hearst Communications. So think about the impact. If their information is wrong or deceitful, it goes across hundreds of stations, through magazines, newspapers. If they want to put out a, a certain worldview, well, they control... 90% of the music and the movies, 
See why Samuel Davies said, I would rather study the truth from those who have gone on before us than get caught up in the nonsense of mortals? Are you confident in the press? 72% said yes in 1972, 2016. That number dropped 18%. 18%. You see, people want truth. And that's why we are called to say, let me show you the way, the truth, the life. But if we're afraid to, to run with men, how are we ever going to race with horses? Notice Joshua 7, the sin of Achan. Familiar story, but Joshua, their army goes out. They're, they're beaten by a much weaker army and Joshua is praying, God, how did we lose this battle? Why did we lose this battle? He's told there's sin in your camp. And Achan had taken some idols. But listen to the words of Joshua 7 and think about the impact of sin. Joshua 7 reads, The people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies unless you destroy the idols from among you. A couple of verses later, it's repeated again. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the idols from among you. You see, when we want to say, I, I want to be able to stand up to Goliath, then we need to watch our life and say, listen, where I've got sin, that's got to go. Because we can't live in a compromised state. We can't be the people that play church. We can't be the people that show up some Sundays, you know, and that's our commitment to this spiritual life. It has to be a daily thing that is committed moment to moment and it's from that place that God says I'll build up your strength and so there you'll have the courage and you'll be able to run with horses but if we're compromised by sin we cannot stand think about this here's Moses and Gideon Moses is going to say something Gideon is going to say something but listen to this and apply it to our spiritual life. Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, Moses says this. Both groups are getting ready to face a battle. And Moses says this. Is there any man who is fearful? Let him go back to his house. And then in Judges 7, 3, Gideon says this. Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home. And hurry from Mount Gilead. Both Moses and Gideon say, listen, if you're fearful, then you can't be used in this context of standing up in the strength that is needed to face the Goliaths. So we have to learn how to deal with fear. So let's talk about how to deal with fear, whether it's, it's fear of the unknown, fear of people's opinions, fear of rejection, fear of failure, whatever it is. I'll give you some things to do to get rid of that here today. Remember, 1 Peter 1.13 is a great place to start. 1 Peter says this, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. The battle takes place in the mind. The only limit is your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? To gird up the loins, think about it in that context, in that first century life, the men, they wore these robes down past their knees. But if they were going to run a race, 
they would take that material of that robe, they'd pull it above their knees and tie it in a knot so their legs were no longer hindered. So Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. What does he mean by that? He's talking about, you know, tighten up those areas that the devil's going to try to, to grab hold of and trip you up. If we allow that wrong thinking and wrong believing to continue in life, then we're making the mistake that the runner does who would allow his garment to hang down and get caught in, in his legs. So if our thinking is wrong, we need to correct that thinking. If our thinking is weak, we need to correct that thinking. If we're caught up in fears and those thoughts are overwhelming, we need to tie that up, figure out what it is that's causing so much anxiety, you know, and stand against that. I'll show you again some things to do in a moment here. Here's one thing that you can do. Pastor Charles Defon, Nigeria, you know, he said this is the best advice that he ever received. And now he shares it too. Here's something to do on a, on a regular basis. It's very simple. It's simply to say out loud, mind shut up. And then say, thank you, Jesus, for, and whatever it is. Mind shut up. And thank you, Jesus, for. So if you've been praying for a, a miracle and that miracle shows up and then the devil arrives and says it's not going to last, you say, mind shut up. Thank you, Jesus, for my healing. If you've got a financial breakthrough and the enemy's going to come along and say he's going he's to stand against that and stop that, mind shut up. Thank you, Jesus, for my financial breakthrough. Let's talk a minute about, about this gentleman here, Kurt Cobain. Took his own life in 1994. Kurt Cobain in the 90s was one of the most popular, popular singers in the world. His estate today is worth almost half a billion dollars. He was 27 when he took his own life. At, at the height of his fame, what happened for Kurt Cobain? You know, when he was singing, he wrestled with anxiety, with crowds, with people. He had some depression, and he would sometimes have anxiety attacks on stage. And he was overseas doing a tour, and one of these anxiety attacks happened. He was panicking. He had to cancel the concert, cancel a couple days. He had to take a break. And one of his friends who was there, think about this, one of his friends who was there, you know, sat down with him and said, you know, what is it? What is it that causes so much fear for you? And Kurt Cobain shared, you know, when I get up and sing and I look out at that crowd, the only thing I see are the same people from high school that wanted to beat me up. You see, we talk all the time that you and I don't know who we're going to cross today, this week, that might be dealing with their own fears and anxieties and their hurts and their burdens. And that's why you and I want to be able to say on a daily basis, I, I build up my faith so that I can not only run with men, but I can run with horses because I might come across somebody that's in desperate need of a hand of faith where I can help them out and say, you know what, you and I together, we're going to face this Goliath. Jamie Walden summarized Jeremiah's words as this, how do you expect to fight in the supernatural 
when you are so easily wearied by the natural? How do you think you can slay giants when you are so easily overcome by men? What stops us is the fear. What gives us courage and strength is walking in that faith and saying, you know what? I know greater is he in me than he in the world. As Paul said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. What does he mean by that? In season means when it's easy and when it's popular. Out of season means when it's hard and uncomfortable and it's not popular. But either way, we say, listen, my life is given to Christ, an audience of one, and I don't live in that fear of man. And where I do, I'm going to begin to take control of my thoughts and mind shut up. And thank you, Jesus. Oswald Chambers said the proof that our relationship is right with God is that we do our best whether we feel inspired or not. You know, here's another wonderful statement. I, I love this here by Henry Neeson. And here's something to, to take to heart and, and take literally and, and take into your life. But simply this, when it comes to faith, when it comes to fear, you have to do what you can't do. You have to do what you can't do. Think about the, the paralyzed man and Jesus said, what? Take up your mat and walk. You have to do what you can't do. That's what courage is. When the doctor says that you can't walk, then you say, I'm going to begin to walk. And you begin to try to get out of bed. When depression says, you know what? You can't leave home. Then you get up and you say, I'm going to the biggest crowd I can find in town. When the enemy says, you know what, play it safe, you know what happened last time, then you step up and do that thing that you fear the most. You have to begin to do what you can't do. That's how you build spiritual muscle. That's how you build spiritual courage. That's how you overcome the fear that so easily entangles so many and is so blatantly portrayed all across the media, keeping people in that frenzy of fear and anxiety. You know, one of the most popular devotionals of all time is My Utmost for His Highest. Written by Oswald Chambers, lived in the 1800s into the early 1900s. Oswald he also faced his own fears. He, he thought he was going to be an artist. He had this belief in God and he was going to you know, paint for a living, paint scenes from the Bible. But as he did that, he felt that that was not what he was meant to do. So he went to college and he said, you know, I was there and I got into this depression. I felt powerless. I had this anxiety, this fear. But he overcame that dark night of the soul. And when he did, he became such an inspiration. People sought him out for advice. He was given speaking assignments, started to travel, became a chaplain in the military. People asked him, how did you overcome that fear? How did you overcome that dark night of the soul? He said a couple things. He said, first, live aggressively for God. 
Live aggressively for God, not a passive living, not a once in a while living, but get aggressive. Study, read, pray, confess, declare, be obedient. Do it aggressively. He said this as well as we close. The great word of Jesus to his disciples is abandon. We need to be people of abandon. What does he mean by that? He would say when God has brought us into the relationship of disciples, we have to venture on his word, trust entirely to him, and watch that when he brings us to that venture, we take it. When the opportunity is there, abandon whatever it is that inhibits and follow. Abandon the fears, abandon the opinions, abandon the the falsehoods, abandon the crowds and the herd and say, I'm going to aggressively pursue God. I'm going to aggressively live for God. I'm going to aggressively believe what God says. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be worn out by simply racing with men. I want to be ready to compete with horses. To do that, you and I need to walk in an aggressive faith that says, listen, if I'm afraid of it, then I'm going to do it. If somebody says it can't be done, then that's the thing I'm going to do. We need to begin to do the very thing we can't do. And let that spiritual muscle be built up and be strengthened and be given now over to Christ in such a way that he increases our faith even more. We recognize, live, and declare that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. We willingly step out and say, I'm ready. Bring me Goliath. Bring me the mountains. Gird up the loins of your mind. Take courage over fear. Begin to to walk out that truth aggressively in a world where people aren't sure what it is to believe. But they know when they see courage. They know when they see a life that's inspiring to them and draws out the deeper part of themselves to be their best. Raise your standard. As I've said before, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And we all get what we tolerate. So let's not tolerate a low standards from ourselves. Let us rise up and be ready to run with the horses.